Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570. Oh, or is it Thursday? Is today Wednesday Thursday? Wednesday, thank God. See, so anyone who listens to this show knows that my days just run together and sometimes I lose days. So I always have to like ask my producer right in the middle of the show. So thank you pretty much. I appreciate that, Isaac. So today is Wednesday. And as always, guys, here on Breaking with Brett Jensen, to get in on the show, 704-570-1110. And follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you've been following me on X, you would have known that uh, I broke some news. And some people went out there, some news stations went out there and started talking about it, about how all the political signs out at one of the biggest and busiest polling places in Mecklenburg County were stolen overnight, or should I say taken overnight. I don't know if they're stolen yet. We don't know that for a fact, but they were taken. And it wasn't like, oh, one person's signs were taken. It wasn't like, oh, the Republican signs were taken. It was every single political sign. Regardless if you are libertarian, regardless if you're Republican, Democrat, communist, socialist, it didn't matter. If you had a political sign outside the South Park Library, it was gone, taken. South Park Library, by the way, in Moorcroft. And so they were, t- they were taken. And I did a little thing about that, and I think they're going to, they're, they're trying to figure out what happened. I talked to Michael Dickerson of the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections, and he point blank told me that, hey, uh, we think it was a road crew, but we're not positive. So they're going to, like, go to the film, as coaches like to say. We're going to check the tape. So we'll see what happens. Because you would think being a county library, they would have tons and tons of cameras. But you know what? I, I never assume anything anymore, especially when it comes to Mecklenburg County. Okay, or Charlotte, for that matter. But you would also know, if you followed me on X, that coming up right now, I have two interviews. The first one is with Jamie Daniel. Now, Jamie Daniel... And Stacey McGinn, they are running for Senate seat, or they're running in District 42 for the North Carolina State Senate. They are both Republicans. I believe it is the only Republican primary in all of Mecklenburg County. I think that's the actual case. Well, it's gotten a little contentious between the two of them, and they're both spending a lot of money, and they're both trying to get this seat, uh, get this nomination to go against Woodson Bradley, in the November, Woodson Bradley is the Democrat. She's running unopposed. So anyway, so I, a week ago today, as a matter of fact, I had a chance to interview both of them at, at a restaurant in South Park where they were both speaking. So you'll hear the restaurant noise in the background. So I'm just letting you know that in advance. So it wasn't in studio and, or anything like that. So the first interview is with Jamie Daniel. And the reason it's with Jamie Daniel is because I interviewed her first. I interviewed her before the event, and I interviewed Stacey McGinn after the event. So, therefore, Jamie Daniel is going to go first just because she was the first one that I spoke to, and that's how I decided that. So, here's my interview with Jamie Daniel. What made you wake up one day and go, you know what, I want to run for state senate? I didn't. I was in 2021. I was furious at what was going on in our town. So I asked to speak to our local congressman. And during a conversation about how I can help, he actually asked me if I ever thought about being in politics. And the journey started there. And I spent the last three years learning our district. So you learned some things and then you decided, okay, now's a good time to jump in. Why? Well, as a mom and a business owner, I have experienced firsthand what has happened to our town in the last several years. Um, I've also actually had crime that went from my backyard to my front door and thought now is the time. It has to be done. Someone has to take a stand and make a difference. 
So when you say make, take a stand and make a difference, what specifically are you talking about? What, what can you do? What do you want to do? Sure. Well, as a mom, I understand education, not only of being sat on two different school boards here in town, one a pri- private school as well as a charter school, but owning a business, I understand the, the red tape and what happens at the legislation side that causes businesses to have to create different committees and get go out and hire other attorneys and CPAs that pass along the cost to the consumers. I also understand that crime, what is happening right now is that we are getting a disproportionate amount of funding from Raleigh because the people that are representing us today are not in our best interest. Their rhetoric is defund the police, and we need to have someone that has a conservative voice sitting in Raleigh for District 42. So I'm talking with Jamie Daniel, who's running one of the two Republicans running for in the primary for District 42 in the state Senate. What's the biggest issue that you think faces not your dis- not just your district, but maybe also the state. And if they're two different answers, go ahead and elaborate on both of those. I believe that one of the biggest things that affects us as a whole state is education. Every single corner of our state is affected with children that need and have a privilege to learn, and we owe them that. And I understand today that currently that our state board of representatives or state board of education is represented by 11 appointees, not someone that has actually been nominated and or is hired. And that's a problem. There's no accountability and we need to have accountability. If charter schools have to go in front of a charter school board for renewal every five years, why is CMS or any other school district in North Carolina not held to the same accountability? Getting to this campaign for a second against your opponent, I'm I'm curious, do you view this to be a negative campaign between the two of you going at each other? So here's the thing. It's not about being negative. It's about facts. It's about what I know, even as a voter myself in District 42, that I would want to know about the candidate I'm voting for. Everything that I have produced or sent out has been actual facts in her own words and her own writings and her own announcements. I'm not doing anything to be negative. I never wanted to be negative. I'm not a negative person, but I do believe the voters have the right to know who they're voting for. So some of the issues that are going to be coming up or potentially coming up, uh, the casinos that may or may not be addressed this upcoming in the short session, which means if you're elected, you may have to deal with that. Also with the medical marijuana, some people thought it might be passed last year. Who knows what's going to go on with that? So let's start with medical marijuana, because that seems to get more people's interest than maybe casinos in the middle of farmland somewhere. So let's talk about medical marijuana. What are your views about that? So what I do know is that medical marijuana has a purpose, but I'm not sure why pharmaceutical companies haven't actually got into the game. I would want to learn a little bit more about that before passing judgment. I also understand that once we pass medical marijuana, right behind that becomes recreational. And the things that are happening with inside marijuana right now, they're more synthetic than they are natural that affect our children. And I just don't know where I stand and haven't spoken to enough people to give a true you know, evaluation of where I would stand on that. I I just, I understand that there are causes that come with that and we don't necessarily have the proper setup afterward to support the folks that do end up abusing it within our community. You know, in the states all over the country, some that are using it always say, oh, look at the amount of cash that we can get as a state, as a revenue producer, just like with alcohol sales or whatever. So how do you guard against the revenue coming against the state? Well, it would be good for the state, but you also think that the, the end result may not be good. 
So, I mean, I believe that obviously the money goes into a general fund. It's used as, you know, how they see fit. But I also know that there are programs that need to be set up in order to ensure the people that do abuse it. And I don't know that the cost outweighs the benefit to the downside of people that are using this. And then obviously, as we've all heard, drugs or marijuana being the gateway drug, what it leads to next. We already have an issue with fentanyl that is coming into this country, let alone what is being put into marijuana, other drugs. And I think that's a bigger problem. And the amount of resources that would go out to solve those, I don't know if it outweighs the cost of the tax of actually having marijuana. I'm talking with Jamie Daniel, who's running for District 42, the North Carolina State Senate, one of the two Republicans, and I think it was the only Republican primary from a local election in the entire, I know in the city and maybe the entire county. What will it take to beat your Democrat opponent? I believe winning in November have to be able to speak to the unaffiliated voters and have to be someone that understands what's going on currently. My opponent in November is a mom just like I am of high school students. She's a small business owner just like I am. She's also out in the community with in community, you know, events as well as I am. I think it's really understanding what the voters need and want and being that voice of reason and common sense. And that is what will win in November. Did you have any hesitations about getting into politics? Absolutely. I I mean, I don't think I ever thought I was going to be a politician. I was very comfortable in my world. And when I realized that my my comfortable life became very uncomfortable because of things that I actually understand and have been part of kind of organically, that it was a no brainer when Raleigh called this time and said, hey, are you in? And I figured if it's not me, then who? because I'm watching what has been happening to our town and our community. And I don't believe that our voice and the people that are here that are living want gener- that they want generation after generation to continue to live here are being represented. So it was easy once I sat back and I talked to my family and I talked to my community and people around me, they think I can do it. So I realized that I can do this and I will do this. You and your opponent, Stacey McGinn, both women, both successful businesswomen, but what's the difference between the two of you? I, I look at it this way, is that Stacy declares herself as a lifelong Republican. No lifelong Republican I know of has ever donated to the most vile man in the Democratic Party, Chuck Schumer. I also know that, you know, the fact in her work history is that she accepted an award for DEI and in her own words was proud of it. And Chuck Schumer is not the only Democrat that McGinn has actually donated to. I personally have never donated it to any Democrat, nor will I. Some things have been uh, said about me and DEI, and just to clarify what that is, it was a misrepresentation and a small attack on my small business regarding an AI blog article that was shared to my site that was not my words or my company policy, and it was on how to prevent discrimination in the workplace, not on hiring practices. Our attorneys had decided that it would be best to remove it so that it didn't affect any of our businesses, but as well as a cease and desist was sent to my opponent because it was mischaracterization and mischaracterization as well as an attack on the business. Is there anything else that you'd like to say or a closing statement or address anything that I didn't ask you about? 
I would like to ask for the voters to think about the town they want to live in and who they want to represent them. While I am a political outsider, I have been a member of this community for 25 years. As a mother, I've had to maneuver my way through the uh, educational system, and I understand it. I also am an entrepreneur, so I understand what it takes to continue to serve businesses as well as make us continue to be the best place to start businesses, I want to be the best place where we keep the families to raise families and keep our families in Mecklenburg County. So that is the first part of the Senate uh, Senate race, Republican Senate race in District 42. That is Jamie Daniel. When we return, my interview with Stacey McGinn, the challenger. The challenger, I should say, to Stacey Daniel. When we return, that interview next with Stacey McGinn. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. As we continue the second part of my interviews with the two candidates running in District 42 for the North Carolina State Senate, they are both on the Republican side. I believe it's the only Republican party, or excuse me, the only Republican primary in all of Mecklenburg County, but definitely Charlotte. So you previously heard from Jamie Daniel. Now here is my interview with Stacey McGinn. When and how did the process come about where you just woke up one day and said, I'm going to run for North Carolina Senate. So um, in my case, I'm, I'm active. I'm the general counsel for Mecklenburg, for the Republican Party of Mecklenburg County. Um, and uh, to be honest, I was very, very busy working on Tark Bakari's campaign. When I say busy, I mean really busy. I finished up the campaign and the, and, and the board of the Mecklenburg County Republican Party board uh, was started talking about recruiting. Who would we recruit to run for various offices? So I, so I, I was going. We were going through the various seats that were most would be most important actually to the Republicans, and frankly, that were that were the most winnable. Thinking about who various candidates were, I put. I, I did help them recruit at least one person who's running for county county commissioner, and I we, I thought about this Senate seat, and I thought about various people that might might be qualified for it finally came to the conclusion that I was the best qualified and that it would be something I'd like to do and certainly have the time to do so that's that really is how it happened what's best for the district may be different than what's best for the state so what do you think is the biggest issue concerning the district right now and what do you think is the biggest issue concerning the state right now well, at the um, at the district level, I, I, there are three issues that I think are are problematic. Uh, the the first and probably the primary is the issue of crime, um, the increasing rates of crime. Fentanyl overdoses last year were up twenty percent, um, and their and their uh, youth crime has become more prevalent. Property crime is at record levels. So at the district level, I would say it's, it is, it's crime. At the state level, I think we need to address education. I really do. Um, We have two, there there really are are sort of two levels um, at which the state gets involved. There's, There's a state board that sets education standards. And then, and then it's left actually to the individual school boards to establish curricula, what teachers, what teachers are actually taught. 
What I think the state ought to do is to form a task uh, form a task force to review and rewrite the standards that are current that are currently being currently being used. Some of which, frankly, have gotten D and F grades by third parties that have reviewed them. Social studies, for example, that was a big issue a couple of years ago. Was the standards our standards for state for social studies got got a D and F ratings by independent agencies. But so this this commission would would review and rewrite these standards to a higher level than they are today and then and then develop a, a more consistent set of curricula that would be employed throughout the state. And then finally testing on the back end, right? Auditing and testing to make sure that 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 the curricula is actually being adopted the way that it should. And um, and then and then have a regular review, right? You, t- you can't just let it let it go and not do it again. I don't know if it's a five-year term or every two years, but on a regular basis, both the standards and the curricula should be reviewed to make sure that our state our, our state has some of the best educational standards and curricula in the country. Talking to Stacey McGinn, who's running in District 42 for the Senate seat. So, in terms of medical marijuana. What is your whole thoughts on that process? So I, so I, understand, I understand completely that uh, you have terminal cancer patients, for example, and, and others who, who could be helped by medical marijuana. It could to ease their pain. I understand that completely. But I think it's a slippery slope. You can look at state after state, right? And it's what you see is a progression. They first they first they allow medical marijuana, and then shortly thereafter, retail marijuana becomes legalized. And I I I I'm concerned about kids, right? I'm, I'm concerned once you once you legalize once you legalize marijuana, it becomes more readily available. Even if you prevent it from, even if you have to be 18 year old to, uh, to buy it, it just becomes more pervasive. So. It's um, well. Well, I understand that medical marijuana could ease could could be useful for purposes of cancer patients and others. I worry about the slippery slope, but it, and and I would expect that relatively quickly we would see uh, movement to pass pass a bill for retail marijuana, which I would oppose. Talk with Stacey McGinn, who's running in District 42 for the North Carolina State Senate. The primary is March 5th. Early voting is already underway. Do you think it's been a dirty campaign, and why do you think so? You bet, you bet. Uh, it, it has been, and it actually, as a first-time candidate, I've been quite surprised by it. What I would say is, um, first of all, what I'd say is, is uh, the line from the old Billy Joel song, we didn't start the fire, we did not. I mean, this is really has been coming from Jamie Danielle's campaign. They chose, they chose from the very beginning to run... To, ju- to just run a dirty camp, to run a dirty campaign. The claims that she's that she's made about me being an advocate for D- for DEI could couldn't be further from the truth. And she's and she's made claims about my past uh, political givings. And we're talking about giving giving that took place 21 years ago, but it's selective. You know what she, what she's not talking about is the, the giving that I've done over the last 20 years, which literally is tens of thousands of dollars to and all to conservative candidates, right? Um, why do I think she's doing it? Because at the end of the day, I don't think, I, I think, I don't think that there's, that she has, I don't think she has anything else to run on. 
right? Other than being a mother and a small and a small business owner, both both of which are laudable. But I think my quali- frankly, I just think I'm better qualified. We responded by pointing out that on her company's website, she runs a recruiting company. On her company's website is an article that says that two companies saying. This is how you. This is how your company should do a better job at diversity, at diversity and inclusion, and it's it's been it was on our website until a week ago, and of course she took it down. But it's been up since night since twenty twenty one. So, it's it's hypocrisy, right? Is any of that stuff that she said true though outside of the DEI? The other issue is again is campaign contributions, and what I, what I would say, what I would say is. Um, 21 years ago, when I was working 80 hours a week as a lawyer in in Washington, D.C., I made I apparently made a contribution to then freshman Chuck Schumer, which frankly I have no recollection of. I was living in Virginia at the time, working for a major New York law firm, and I made a I made a relatively small contribution to Chuck Schumer, 21 years ago. The only thing I can I, I, and this is really just guessing. The only thing I can imagine is that I got a call from one of my partners in New York and said. You know, I'm raising money for this guy, this freshman, this freshman senator. Would you mind making a contribution? And I did it out of collegiality. My record of contributions, you have to look at the full record. My record of contributions has been completely conservative. Ted Budd, Dan Bishop, lately Trisha Cotham, David Willis, Pat Harrigan, Mark Robison. These are the people I've been giving to in, in the recent years. Let's look at the whole record. Let's not just try to cherry pick this and make an issue make an issue where really there is no issue. Was Schumer the only Democrat that you contributed to? Um, I also gave money to my sister, who is running for Congress, who is running for Congress in New Mexico, and she's my sister. I love her. I love my sister. Um, so, and and my sister has given to my campaign. So. And Bill Bradley, and Bill Bill Bradley as well. But I again, same thing. Somebody had to tell me who Bill. That was 1999. It's even further back, right? Somebody had to tell me who Bill Bradley was. I had no idea who he was. I imagine it was that. I again, I'm just guessing, but I imagine it was the same thing. He's in New Jersey. I'm living in Virginia. One of the one of the one of my one of my colleagues, um, one of my partners actually, in the law firm asked me to make a contribution, and I did. Stacey McGinn, who's running for District 42 for the North Carolina State Senate. Is there anything that you'd like to say in closing? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I think I would say I'd close the same way that I that I closed a minute ago. You know, this is we're not running for class president here. We're running for we're running for the for North Carolina Senate. And I think we need to choose the most qualified candidate. Um, I'm the only. I'm the only between the two of us. I'm the only one who served on a presidential task force. I'm the only one who's sat at the table with other executives and managed a thirty billion dollar budget, which is the same size budget as the, the our state, right? I'm the only one who's worked on the who worked on on lobbied the General Assembly on behalf of the bill of the Parents' Bill of Rights, and I'm the only one who made election integrity a, a priority as a, as the General Counsel of Mecklenburg of the. Mecklenburg Republican Party. I, I just think I'm better qualified. Full stop. So that is the interview that I did with Stacy McGinn. And again, these are two women, two business women that are running for that district. And that district, in case you're wondering and you're not sure what your district is, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, um, 
when they redrew the district, and I'm in this district, I wasn't sure the name of it, but it is District 42. It's the Senate District 42, and it's like South Park area, South Charlotte, Sharon Road, going south, um, I think, I think towards like uh, Pineville Matthews Road in that area as well. So it's a big district. And the winner of this particular primary will be going against Woodson Bradley, who will be representing the Democrats come November. So it's a very, very heated race. And if you live in the district, you have been getting a lot, a lot of mailers and maybe even emails and text messages as well. So this is a a race between two businesswomen and they're trying to win your vote. So I appreciate each one of them talking to me. And again, that, those interviews were done exactly one week ago in a restaurant. And you were able to hear them tonight. And everything will be posted online in case you missed any part of the interviews between Jamie Daniel and Stacey McGinn. All right, when we return, let's get into a couple other things. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, everyone, listen up. So, leap year day, February 29th, I, yours truly, will be hosting my show from the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Club in Gastonia. There's one here in Charlotte, right there on South Boulevard, um, one block past East Boulevard, right next to the Dunkin' Donuts. And it's a favorite hangout spot for many, many people, uh, including some Kind of big dignitaries, not going to lie. And so it's one of my favorite places because you guys know that I love cigars. Well, on again, leap year, February 29th. That's a Thursday. That's a week from tomorrow. I will be hosting my show live at the Vintage uh, Whiskey and Cigar Club there in Gastonia. And they're going to be offering specials and giveaways. And you can look at all the big time cigar brands that they've got and I cannot wait, and I'm going to be there for about three hours. I'm going to be there for about three hours, hanging out, you know, a couple hours or an hour or so before, an hour or so after, hanging out with you guys. If you guys will just show up, because you guys know I love my cigar. I say this all the time. There are two things in the, well, actually, there are four things in this world that I really, really, truly love. My dog, Maggie, I think you guys know that by now, cigars, golf, and cooking. And this is going to be awesome to be able to get in the cigar mode. So I'm really looking forward to this. And it's going to be part of my brand new cigar club. And we're going to try and maybe do this once a month, once every two months. But this is the first stop and the first showing of my cigar club. Now, reservations are completely free. Completely free. But they're expecting a lot of people to try and show. And so here's what you do. Email this. It's the easiest email address on the planet. Cigar at WBT.com. Like, seriously, like it doesn't take a rocket science, right? Cigar at WBT.com to send an email and say, hey, I'd like to reserve three spots. I'd like to reserve two spots, one spot, whatever it is. But send that email to cigar at WBT.com to come out, hang out with me in Gastonia. And look, I know a lot of you people there in Gastonia hang out. I know a lot of you people or listen to the radio station, Lincoln County, you know, obviously here in Mecklenburg County, and it'll be a really good time. And I will tell you, you're going to walk into that place and you're going to be like, holy crap. Like, it is really nice. It's really cool. And I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to doing this. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I don't get to smoke a cigar while I'm on the air in this studio, but guess what I get to do 
a week from tomorrow. Smoke a cigar while on air uh, live at the Vintage Cigar and Whiskey Club. So Whiskey and Cigar Club. So anyways, hope you guys can join me again next week. I'll be doing my show. I think I'll be there from like 6 to 9. So make sure you hang out and email in and reserve a spot. And I really want to meet you guys out there. All right. Okay. So when we return, I will tell you this. There was theft today. Theft. And I should say not today, but it was actually early Monday morning. And it's going to be something that you're just going to go, great, awesome. It's just going to be par for the course. And as I always like to say, welcome to Charlotte, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about that when I return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, welcome back to the final segment of Breaking with Brett Jensen. And if you missed any parts of my interviews tonight with Stacey McGinn and Jamie Daniel, the two candidates on the Republican side running for Senate District 42, the North Carolina uh, Senate District number 42, they're both going to be on the website tonight. So make sure you can go check that out and hear any part. And I'm going to, instead of separating the two interviews because it's the same district, I'm going to put them together in the same file. So you don't have to listen to one and then download another one and all that. Although I'm sure all the, uh, the people here at the station that are in charge of downloads won't be happy about that because they'll want that extra click. You know, go to one and then click another one. Just, just trying to make it easy for you. I'm just, I mean, that's what I'm here for. Just trying to make things a lot easier for you. Um, okay. So you're going to love this story. You're going to love this one. Do you, do you hear the little bit of facetiousness in my voice there? All right. Multiple guns were stolen after a break-in at Charlotte Sporting Arms early Monday morning, according to an incident report from Charlotte Mecklenburg Police. This is, by the way, via WBT, but WBTV, I should say. The break-in happened around 4 a.m. Monday, Monday morning at the shooting range located at 8055 South Boulevard. And that's just before you start getting towards um, just where all the car dealerships are on South Boulevard towards 485. So it's just before you get there, okay? Police did not specify how many guns or what models were stolen, only describing the amount as an assortment. No arrests have been made. As an assortment. So we, we saw the videos of someone trying to steal, like, Gucci stuff up in New York City. They're just walking in with guns in a Gucci store, stealing whatever they want, and then walking out. And they do that in L.A. all the time. And they've been trying to do the smash and grabs more, more recently here in Charlotte. A lot, more, a lot more common with the smash and grabs. Walk in, smash the cases, the counters, get whatever you can with jewelry-wise, and immediately like, just try to – they don't even run anymore. They just walk out. Like, they don't even run. Now, thankfully, CMPD is not like L.A. or San Francisco or San Diego or New York City or even Philadelphia or Chicago – Thank God for that. Like, even though as the city descends every single day and every single week, closer to Baltimore, closer to Memphis, closer to St. Louis, closer to New Orleans, closer to Detroit, every passing day, we inch closer to those cities. 
in terms of violent crime and just criminals in general, as we inch closer to that, and we are, make no mistake, every passing and every waking moment, we are inching closer to those cities. But CMPD, I will tell you, isn't passive. Even though there are at least four city, three city council members that would like CMPD to be passive. As a matter of fact, there are three city council members that think it's okay to take a giant dump in the middle of a sidewalk and then pull your pants down, start masturbating. They don't think there's anything wrong with doing that in front of the Discovery Place uptown. You know why they don't think there's anything wrong with that? Because it's not in their front yard. It's not on their porch. And I've said this all along. All these women, these city council women who don't want to criminalize these crimes, they're only doing that because it's not happening where they live. It's not happening on their front porch. It's not happening on their front door. It's not doing it. No one's masturbating in front of their children on a sidewalk, right? Well, they got to do it somewhere. That's the argument. They got to do it somewhere. Might as well be uptown where there are a lot of visitors and a lot of workers and a lot of people live. And you keep wondering why uptown's a ghost town. I'm I'm telling you, I don't go uptown. I refuse to go uptown. Refuse. Flat out refuse. A, I'm not going to pay $15 to park just to go eat dinner. To go eat an overpriced dinner. Not doing it. I will go uptown for two, excuse me, I will go uptown for three reasons. Three reasons I go uptown. Hornets, Charlotte Knights, Carolina Panthers. That's it. Well, and if, obviously if there's a concert at one of the arenas. But those three buildings are the buildings I go to. And obviously the WFNZ doghouse, but I consider that more or less part of Bank of America Stadium. So no, I don't go uptown. I, I absolutely refuse. Why would I go uptown when there's a good chance of me getting mugged, shanked, Shot? Why would I go there? Get a shiv? Like, what what are we talking about? 87 panhandlers on every block. And if you think it's going to be okay for them to defecate right there in the middle of the sidewalk where people have to walk or urinate or masturbate, like it's all the eights, defecate, masturbate, urinate. And a lot of times they try to intimidate. I mean, why would you go uptown? Why would you? I won't. I don't. Oh, let's go uptown for New Year's Eve. Oh, by the way, all these people got shot. Welcome to Charlotte. Welcome to uptown. And so what's happening? People aren't going to uptown. So what does that mean? That means all the thugs and criminals, where do they have to go? They have to go where the people are. So now they're starting to creep into towards South End and South Park and Myers Park. And they're trying to start maybe, they haven't gotten to Ballantyne yet. Maybe that's just too far. They haven't gotten there yet. That's a long bus ride from uptown to Ballantyne. But they're getting into South Park. They're getting into the Dilworth area, South End. That's where they're going. Millennial Row, as I like to call it, South End. So, yeah, more guns being stolen. Awesome. That's great. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I say this all the time. And, I, and, I, and it comes from Tommy Bowden. And 
Tommy Bond was a football coach at Clemson when I was covering Clemson. And somebody was talking to him about grades because his team, his football team at Clemson, didn't have the world's greatest grades. And he had the best quote I'd ever heard. If you want my players to have academics like players at Vanderbilt or Duke, they're going to play like Vanderbilt and Duke on Saturday. If you want them to be like Vanderbilt and Duke Monday through Friday, they're going to play like Vanderbilt and Duke on Saturday. And he was 100% right. If you keep doing what you're doing with the politicians and electing people who don't want to make it a criminalization or a crime to do the eights, urinate, intimidate, defecate, masturbate, then you are going to get what you deserve. I, I, that's what you're going to get. And I will have no sympathy for you. And this bright city of eight years ago will turn into continue to turn into Baltimore, St. Louis, Memphis, New Orleans, Detroit. Do yourself a favor. Look up the crime stats. Look up those crime stats for those cities that I just mentioned. Even Atlanta. But look up the crime stats. Okay? Keep going down this road. You got zero conservatives, and I'm not saying you should only elect conservatives. I I think the exact opposite of that. But when you have an all-Democrat county commission, only one Republican on the school board, and only two Republicans on the city council, you've got three Republicans out of like 30 positions. Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. Baltimore, here we come. And why do I say that? It's because you don't have anyone to stand up and voice opposition. Thankfully, some reason like Malcolm Graham and others came in on the Democrat side with the city council to make these actually like crimes, the eights as I call them. Thank God for people like Malcolm Graham and them on the Democrat side. Because if those three women had their way, you'd be able to do this wherever you want to in Charlotte. And then you get closer and closer to Baltimore, New Orleans, Memphis, St. Louis, and Detroit. Until tomorrow, everyone, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.